Just a little pre-warning for our listeners that today's episode contains a little bit of swearing. Hello, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 17 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast. And we're in a new season and this season our theme is Scotland and I'm very excited about all the films we have coming up. Um, And today we are joined by the lovely Lucy Buglis who has chosen the classic film train spotting to deep dive into today. So Lucy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Sure, yeah, thank you so much for having me and I'm really honoured that we're going to talk about train spotting today, so I can't wait to dive in. Um, But with me, if people don't know who I am, I I have a blog called Lucy Goes to Hollywood. I set it up in 2017. Since then, I have somehow become Rotten Tomatoes approved and I've got a really, you know, good community going. I don't know how I did that, (laughs) but it's been, it's been wonderful. I've had the chance to do podcasts like this. It's been really exciting. Um, I also write for What's on TV and What to Watch as a day job as well. So I'm very entertainment focused. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I'm a kind of hack journalist, basically, just sort of getting by. Um, and yeah, I'm just a big, big film fan, basically. Love it. Yeah. And why <laughs> Train Spotting for you? I think Train Spotting is, it's one of those films that, like, the first time you see it, it's going to have a lasting impact because it's just one of those that just kind of gut punches you. But I love Danny Boyle and I love Irvin Welsh, so it was kind of a no-brainer because I think they were a match made in heaven when it came to this. Um, I actually went and read Irvin Welsh's other books after I read Trainspotting as well and they're all equally as horrendous in terms of like nasty characters, nasty situations and I think he's just such a talent and I think Trainspotting is one of those that like I say once you've seen it it's never going to leave you <laughs> because of the, the message that it, it delivers and it's just such a it's, it's such a deep dive into like heroin addiction and I just think it's I just think it's wonderful <laughs> yeah absolutely agree with you there yeah. um so if you had to rate train spotting out of 10 what would you give it probably eight a very generous eight you mm-hmm. know I think I only reserve tens for like films that are like right up at the top but I think it's it's always been an eight in my books I think it's always been a very strong film it's always been very you know I'm always happy to sit down and watch it so yeah amazing Gary what about you I'm going to go for an 8.5 and the reason it gets that extra half mark is because the film's got everything in it. It's gritty, funny, sad, exciting, but Mm. for me it does it all in like 90 minutes. 90 minutes is a great film length and to like condense everything into that and still have such a great film, it's getting an extra half mark, so 8.5 now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, For me... It is a 10 out of 10. I I can't fault it. I adore this film. Uh, yeah, just has to be. It's definitely one of my top films. So I'm very excited to Is talk that about because it. you're Scottish though as well when you're like, I need to root for Scotland? <laughs> no, like it could, it could be any film, but I just think it's so full of amazing performances, amazing direction, amazing music. I, I'm going to get into my points, but <laughs> I just, I could go on and on about this film. I love it. I love it. Um, so for any of our listeners who might not have seen Trainspotting, here's a little review 
we had uh, review. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you call it? I've forgotten that word. Synopsis. Synopsis. A synopsis of Train Spotting. Have you not seen it? So heroin addict Renton stumbles through bad ideas and sobriety attempts with his unreliable friends, Sick Boy, Begbie, Spud and Tommy. But after cleaning up and moving from Edinburgh to London, he finds out he can't escape his so-called mates and the life he left behind. When Begbie shows up at his front door, followed closely by the scheming Sick Boy. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. (laughs) Choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home, nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, fucked up brats that you've spawned to replace yourselves. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got head on? So let's get started. Let's dive in to our positive points on the film. And Gary, I'm coming to you for your first point first. Um, okay, so I just want to talk about how drugs and addiction are portrayed in this film. I think it's like an amazing exploration into drug addiction. And Although people said that this film glorified drugs and there was like a lot of controversy about that as well, it most certainly does not, in my opinion. Like, Renton at first glorifies heroin, but as he does so, we see how much it's destroying his life, his friend's life, and his family's, like all the people around him. So one of the lines that Renton delivers is, People think it's all about misery and desperation and death and all that shit, which is not to be ignored, but what they forget is the pleasure of it. So that's him glorifying it, but while he's doing that, we see the run-down flats, the grimy walls, the baby crawling about next to needles. While this is going on, Renton says it's better than sex. I think the words he uses is something like, take the best orgasm you've ever had um, times it by a thousand and you're still nowhere near it but later that is quickly questioned by Tommy who's like in his mad dream montage sequence and he's like better than sex eh and then obviously spoiler he dies of like HIV Um, so the film does have it's like ups and downs of taking drugs but the downs are very much worse than the ups like during it so you've got them stealing you've got them putting their hands down shit-smothered toilets, you've got HIV tests, overdoses, going to prison, um, broken relationships, and then obviously there's the 
the death of baby Don, which I'm sure will be in someone else's point, so I'm not going to go into that too much just now. Um, but there's other addictions through it as well, like Begbie's like, I won't touch that shit, but then he's addicted to violence, like, through and through. And then Renton's mum, I think, is, like, addicted to, like, pharmaceutical drugs and bingo and daytime TV shows, you know? There's all different forms of addiction in here. And, obviously, there's the huge uh, montage with the withdrawal scene where they're trying to get Renton off drugs. And if that alone it doesn't stop you wanting to take drugs, I, don't know, I do not know what will. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's excellently portrayed and I don't think it glorifies it at all. I actually found, this is I think the third time I've watched Trainspotting and I actually found it quite sad this time watching it again. I just thought, it in no way does it make drugs look good. Yes, they have these highs but they have the extreme lows and I think there's a lot more focus around that in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, Lucy, what would be your first positive point on the film? I think for me, the visuals are just stunning the way that it actually, you know, obviously, like you guys were saying, I don't think it glorifies drug use at all. I actually think it's the complete opposite because the entire film is just very dirty looking. It's very grimy. It's very bleak. It's not, you don't have a lot of like pretty imagery. It's just very nasty and muted and sort of brown and it's just not a nice colour palette. Um, and then you have all these like you know hallucin hallucination sequences like the worst toilet in Scotland and then you have like you know the <laughs> which is disgusting and then you have like the baby on the ceiling and it's very like requiem for a dream like it's very sort of terrifying like you know I I would not want to be lying in my bed with a baby above me do they know <laughs> I just I just think the way it does that it just it scares the shit out of you to be honest it's just it's really really scary. Um, and I just think I think the visuals are just absolutely fantastic. I just think it just it sucks you in. It makes you uncomfortable. I think mm. the first time I saw it, I think my predominant emotion was discomfort. And I think I, the baby death obviously was a very upsetting scene for me as well. And I just think it does it in such a way that it's like a car crash. You like you can't look away even though you want to, but it just it just draws you in in the worst possible way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's beautiful in that sense. Who who is it again? The the character. What's the character called that plays uh, Baby Don's mum? Can't Alison. Alison. Yes. yes. Alison. Mm-hmm. And even that scene where she's screaming, like mm-hmm. it's like piercing. It's so yeah. violent. The screams, and then everybody surrounds the court, and then Renton goes away, and Alison crawls beside him, and you think it's maybe going to be for comfort or something like that, and the first thing she says is. Uh, cook me up a shot and you're just like oh my god like they're just not learning from it at all yeah it's the fact that even like in your worst possible moment you're going back to it you know yeah so i i really don't understand the the argument that it glorifies it like at all i really i just can't get my head around it um i just think it's an anti-drug commercial if anything (laughs) yeah and just uh going with the uh your point about the like the set design and how it's so grim Mm -hmm that toilet scene as well like supposedly it looks vile but supposedly it was just like chocolate sauce and chocolate milkshakes and chocolate (laughs) mousse and it smelled fantastic so even just things like that everything about this is it's almost like looking down a sewage pipe or something (laughs) like watching Mm -hmm. it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i'm gonna swap my points around because this actually goes in well to one of my later points and it is the hallucination scenes i think these are 
just incredible especially that the worst toilet in scotland scene it it makes you reach like it it's horrible it's just horrible Mm. to watch but then when he dives in and it goes into this like underwater part it's kind of beautiful Mm. (laughs) well it's beautiful um and then obviously we come back out of it and i think that's kind of i've just thought there maybe that is a kind of metaphor for the lows that they feel and then the highs that they experience and then coming back out actually into the awful awful reality of it um and then of course the other sort of hallucination scene um is the withdrawal scene i think Mm -hmm. starting off especially with that wallpaper that is the trains moving away from him is just so suffocating and the baby I, I remember watching Trainspot in the first time. That gave me nightmares. It was mm-hmm. horrible. And it's the turning head and everything. Um, and even to have Diane sitting at the end of the bed, like I didn't, in my head, I was like, is he seeing this or is she there? I have no idea. But either way, it works. Um, what else? Also, the it's just after he has gone back for heroin. So just before the withdrawal scene. And he sinks into the carpet. Renton sinks into the carpet um, beside Mother Superior. And I just think it's all done in such a sophisticated way. And although the the film definitely has a timestamp on it, I don't think it could have been done any better today. I think it's really, really well done in that sense. A lot of modern films and TV shows copy that mm. whole idea of rent and sinking into the floor or they're like using the you know the gopro attached to the the body of the character um so off the top of my head is i'm thinking of like jesse pinkman and breaking bad when he takes heroin it's very similar visually the way it's filmed spoilers for breaking bad it's not too (laughs) i mean if you've not seen breaking bad by now what have you been doing and (laughs) um but also if you look really closely, I only noticed this last night when I was watching it again. As Renton goes down the toilet, his feet do a twist at the end, and it's actually as if he's going like down and up and round the pipes. It's like wee small things like that that really add mm-hmm. to it as well. And the the scene in the bedroom, the withdrawal scene. I mean. If anyone has come home drunk from a night out or woke up the next day and the bed is spinning, like to me that's like that on acid is so hard to watch, you know. Like mm. never watch train spot and hungover. <laughs> that's all I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely even the image of Spud like in shackles above the door in oh, that it's scene. Haunting. It's yeah, it's really terrifying. But I just think each of those scenes are done perfectly and you know it is that kind of surreal um against the very real um drug taken but it works perfectly i just i can't fault any of those scenes no so i just think um it was interesting that you mentioned that like other addictions were kind of present as well and i i had a bit of a light bulb moment um in the fact that almost like the the scenes with went and like in, in his childhood bedroom and stuff within his own struggles like his mum's got struggles too and it's just kind of like nobody's learning from any of it and I just think it's just it's just you know it's all these visuals it's like the ground swallowing you up you know you're circling the drain like it's like you're never gonna get away from it it's just humiliation 
Um, and I just think it's interesting how the entire culture of, of train spotting is just around addiction of some form, whether it's heroin, violence, TV, whatever it is, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, it's very apathetic film, I think. And I just think that it's, um, I don't know, you, you, you feel sympathy for the characters in some regard, but at the same time, you kind of just want to shake them and be like, come on, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a very conflicting film because sometimes I watch it and I like want to help them. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, you're just being stupid, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard because the characters themselves are quite questionable in their morals. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are, are very questionable people, I would say. Yeah, and the problem with the film is, well, it's not a problem, it's a good thing, is the characters are all so likeable in their own way. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so conflicting to watch. And yep. The great thing about uh, Arvin Welsh and, and Danny Boyle, I guess, is they don't try and... There's no moral story. They're not trying to say drugs are wrong. Basically, they're just throwing you into this world, letting you see it, letting you be a part of it, and then they take you right back out again at the mm-hmm. end. Like, not to go straight to the ending just now, but that shot of renting, walking away in London, talking to us again, it's like anyone else who says, like, again, just to go back to it, they wake up with a hangover and go, that's it, I'm off the drink. And then you're just left on a cliffhanger and you think, are you though? And it's kind of that same thing that you're left with at the end of this. Like, Renton's like, I'm going to be just like you. And it's like, well, are we much better as human beings? It might not be might not be heroin we're taking, but we have these ideas and answers. We're going to go, I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to take up this hobby. And then, you know, 10 days later, you're back to where you started. Yeah, I think we're a very, we're a culture of, of addiction, whether or not we like to admit it or not, you know, whether it's whether it's like reality TV or alcohol or <laughs> food or whatever it might be. I think we're all guilty in, in some respect of doing it a bit too much. Absolutely. Um, I, I mm-hmm. sat last night and I flicked through the TV channels and Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares was on. And I was like, hmm. And then I Classic. threw myself watching it for 10 minutes and I was like, right, at the next break I'm going to get up and go and do the dishes or, or whatever else. <laughs> and then and hours went past and you're like, oh my God, I'm still sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. It's addictive, isn't it? It's like it's kind of just, especially Gordon Ramsay because he's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how much of Kitchen Nightmares I have watched, but I don't know if I want to admit. It. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, Gary, back to Train Spot. <laughs> what Sorry. would be your second point? Um, well, I would like to just talk a wee bit about the friendship as a group because they call themselves friends and then they know that they're not the closest friends what brings them together is the drug abuse um but they've known each other from being kids at school but i also feel that they're addicted to each other and they won't Mm -hmm. give up on each other and that's quite interesting as well after begbie attacks um the man at the, the bar when they're playing snooker um, Tommy states when he's telling that story he's a mate so what are you going to do and we've all been in those situations where we've got a mate who can get carried away in something or they are kind of annoying but you've known them for all your life that you keep them around um, and even other parts of it as well like Renton is supposed to be helping Spud through his job interview and what does he do to help? It gives him speed <laughs> and um, when they arrive in each other's life 
at different points in the story, they all accept each other and the baggage that comes with it. Because Begbie doesn't take drugs and he's obviously addicted to violence and he's the most violent character in it. But if you look at it from Begbie's point of view, he could like he could basically get rid of all them out of his life. They're all drug addicts and he doesn't touch it. So why is he hanging about with them? And it's because they are friends. And I think this is actually further explored in um, Trainspotting 2. Um, I won't go into that too much, but I think that idea of being addicted to each other is um, a common theme. Renton actually says that when he tries to kick drugs, it's his friends that pull him back in. So Sick Boy decides to kick drugs with him, um, not because he wants to, but just to show that he can. And that can be really annoying with friends as well, can't it? When you go, right, I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to start going to the gym or, or whatever, and you've got a friend's course. I'm going to come too, and sometimes you just want to do it alone, <laughs> you know, so that you can show that you can. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think it's funny, Renton has a line and he says, it's when he's in court and he says, with God's help, I'll conquer this terrible affliction. And I was just watching it last night thinking, not with those friends around, you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think as well, when I watched it again uh, a few nights ago, I did start to wonder why is why is Tommy friends with him? I just I didn't understand it, um, and I think you know I just feel awful for him when he does uh, take the it's heroin that he takes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just felt absolutely awful for him, but I I don't know. I kind of wanted to know a little bit backstory about Tommy. And how they came together because he does seem really different from the rest of them. And I know that's what um, the director obviously wanted because then it, it's even more heartbreaking when he does die. But I just, I mean, not even more heartbreaking. I, I mean, like, it, it pulls on your heartstrings even more because he wasn't like that and he made one bad decision and it led to so much, like, uh, I don't know, misery. so many awful things. Yeah, misery. I can't get a word there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I feel like we do need to know a little bit about Tommy. A little bit more about how he became friends with them. Yeah, I think there's always um, in certain friend groups, there's that friend that sort of gets roped into it and then unfortunately they suffer more consequences than the rest of them. And it's just kind of... I don't want to say it's karma, it's not a very nice thing to say, but it's just, it's unfortunate that one, like you say, one bad mistake actually led to their downfall. Um, And I think, you know, in films like this, these people are outcasts, they don't think they would be able to function with other people, and that's all they've got. So they just, like like you said, they're addicted to each other, they can't, they have to stick together, because what else do they have, you know? And it's really depressing when you think about it, but... And I guess as well, there would have been one point in this group of people's life where none of them were taking drugs and then one decided to do it, then probably got his friend into it and then the next one got into it and then you're left with Big B and Tommy who haven't done it until Tommy takes that step. And it is sad when he dies, but I actually feel it's a lot sadder when Renton goes to visit him in the flat and the words plague is written on the wall uh, outside and then just the interior of the flat and you see the cat crawling about and and things like that it's it and you've seen him at the start it's a really great contrast because at the start you see him uh, doing his uh, barbell presses and stuff so he's obviously physically active he's playing football and then just to see this real grungy grimy character arc 
it's 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 nasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is definitely. Um, so, Lucy, what is your second positive point on the film? My second is the soundtrack because we have to talk about the soundtrack. Uh, I think what Trainspotting does brilliantly, and Danny Boyle does this quite a lot, is he uses quite uplifting, positive songs in the worst possible scenario. So obviously the, the prime example is When Red No Days and you've got um, Perfect Day playing, okay. which yeah. is, it's not, it's not. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of, it's almost it's almost funny in a really mm-hmm. twisted way, you know, and I think he's done this in a few other films. Like, in 127 Hours, I think he has um, Lovely Day by Bill Withers and obviously he's trapped under a rock, so, you know, it's the, yeah. it's yeah. the same kind of thing, right? <laughs> so it's, um, it's just a really clever technique to sort of make you even more uncomfortable. Uh, and obviously, obviously, Lust for Life, Iggy Pop, at the very beginning of the film, is, you know, the the, the beats of that with the opening monologue is just, it's a chef's kiss, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else I can say about that, apart from the fact that it just works so well. No, it mm-hmm. does, and I love how he edits to the music as well in a lot of his films. And with Perfect Day as well, like, it's, it's really interesting because as an audience member, we know this is not the perfect day it's like couldn't be further from the fact but in Renton's mind he is having the time of his life yes you know mm-hmm. and it's this real sharp contrast I also think it's really funny that there's this scene with um Renton and Sick Boy and they're both discussing it's when they're trying to kick drugs together and they're discussing music and Sick Boy basically slags Lou Reed's music which is then later used in the film I mean that's bold. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Music was one of my points as well. And I just think it's so in your face in this film. And I think it's so iconic. Like you said, Lust for Life. Everybody, as soon as you hear that song, you think train spotting. You, you see, you can visualise the opening scene in your head, Princess Street, everything. Um, and the same with Born Slippy. I can't listen to that song and not think of Train Spotting, and I think it's used absolutely superbly. There's such a range of music in it, um, like you said, Perfect Day, and I'm sure there's a bit. Is it when he's? Um, oh, I'm sure it's in the worst toilet in Scotland when he goes under. Is there not like some sort of orchestral music or something? I'm sure there's something at yeah. one point during one yeah. of the hallucinations. It's like, it's like classical, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's very dreamlike. Uh, uh, with the music to match yeah. what's going on in his head and then well, I thought yeah. I thought as well having Temptation playing in the uh, club scene when they're all going after the girls and he finally meets Diane I just thought that was nice like it's cheesy but I like it I really I think the music is something that just absolutely makes this film for me yeah I also love the way the treacle born slippy into the film so mm-hmm. it's basically when Renton has decided that he's going to steal the money but he, he's walking over to Begbie to hand him over a cigarette and it's really tense you know Spud has just had his palm cut with Begbie's knife and the two of them are like their noses are practically touching and he lights Begbie the cigarette and he takes a draw of it and just blows the smoke into Renton's face. And as the smoke hits his face, you just hear the music like drip in. It's it's just powerful editing and sound design and music together. Supposedly, um, Oasis was asked to have their music in the film as well. And 
I don't know if I've got this right, but Liam Gallagher said that he doesn't want his music associated with a film to do with trains. <laughs> yeah, because they thought it was about actual train spotting. I read that as well. I don't oh know my where God. it was. <laughs> um, but then they ended up going to the premiere or the launch party or something. And I think they must have been kicking themselves. After, a few years after that was released, they must have thought we missed out on a big thing here. Yeah. Although yeah. I can't imagine an Oasis song in it. To be honest, I don't know no. where it would where it would fit, but it'd be interesting to see another take on the soundtrack. The just as we're talking about the club scenes there as well, um I read somewhere that Robert Kaleo thought that maybe Begbie was gay but was hiding it and that is why he's so um violent and aggressive because He's pretending to be this straight man, which is quite interesting when you look at the scene when he's in the club and meets the woman, or so he thinks is the woman, and then goes out into the the car, and he has obviously a, a flaky, for a better word, and Renton's words in the club over this the voiceover is something like, uh, "There won't be he's or she's anymore, just wankers," and I'm okay with that. I've not read the book, put my hands up, but I'm going to have a guess that those lines were in the book, never mind the film. And it's interesting that societies learn to be part of that world and someone like Renton, who is a junkie, is willing to be part of that world. I don't know if there's something there to be said as well. Yeah, it's a, re- it's a really good point, yeah. I think but Begbie's a really interesting character. I don't know if you guys read The Blade Artist, which was about him. It was the most recent Irvin Welsh novel about like the train spotting thing. Mm-hmm. And he kind of it, it kind of it picks up in his life like much later on and he, he's like married and settled down and it's really bizarre. Because yeah. it's just you wouldn't see Begbie in that way, and I just think that he's such an interesting character. Um and mm-hmm. I just wish that we'd seen a little bit more of, you know, him and what what was really going on in there, you know. Yeah. And in the, the club scenes as well, I find it interesting that there's I'm pretty sure it's actually just in the, the first one, the one it's in Edinburgh, but technically filmed in Glasgow, just saying. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> that um there's taxi driver images on the walls. So you've got in I think it's the female toilets, you've got Jodie Foster as mm-hmm. her character in Taxi Driver on the Walls and then um Renton standing with Travis Bickle hikes back and those films kind of deal with people losing their mind and mental health issues and stuff like that as well and they're not like they're bold and they're there to be seen it's not as if they were trying to like hide it in the background so I don't know if it's maybe just like a homage to them or not or if it's because there is similar themes in that as well with society and the world surrounding you almost breaking you down into the actions that you take. I think that whole club scene is amazing, especially when um, it's Tommy and Spud <laughs> talking about the is it the Iggy Pop ticket? Is it Iggy Pop? Yeah, it's going to see. Uh-huh. Um, and the way they're shouting over the music, I just think that's incredible. It's so funny, um, but it's done in a a perfect way. And then obviously the girls coming back, uh, what are you talking about and all this? I just thought that was really good and it was quite relatable. <laughs> but I still, back when we could be in a club. <laughs> yeah. I still wonder if um, they needed subtitles because the music was loud or because it was Scottish uh, accents. <laughs> yeah. I, I I did wonder, like, why is why have they got um, subtitles for that? Yeah. But then I thought, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe... Because it's, <laughs> it's burned into the film. Yeah. Like, it's not... Uh-huh. As if, yeah. It's not <laughs> 
it's not that. So yeah, great scene. All round great scene. Um, so we are on Gary. It's actually more about um, Danny Boyle as a filmmaker and he's got this undeniable style. Like You can almost tell instantly when you're watching a Danny Boyle film. Um, he uses everyday characters. He, he'll never have the over-the-top hero who's going to you know, jump from a bu- burning building to save someone. Like None of these villains are over-the-top. Like... Jim in 28 Days Later, he's a bicycle courier, that's all he is, and it's him just trying to survive this zombie apocalypse. It's the same with Shallow Grave or 127 Mm -hmm. Hours, and you don't get any closer to everyday characters than, as sad as it is, like, you walk past them on a daily basis and know who they are and what they're like. But he also likes to do films where people do lose their minds, which is what we were getting into earlier and again 20 days later the whole of the UK basically has lost their mind um, Sunshine, they go crazy Leonardo DiCaprio on the beach loses his mind as well but it's done a wee bit differently in this because the way in which they lose their mind is not that they go insane it's they lose their mind to drugs it's, it's more subdued than any of these other films but you could say the same about even his work it's maybe not as appreciated so i watched yesterday a few weeks ago oh I yeah don't know if the, seen it. it's got the beatles music in it yeah i mean again you could say that the whole of the uk or the whole of the world lost their minds forgetting who the beatles are <laughs> you know so yeah. um but he also likes to use voiceover and fast cut editing for his films like we spoke about so you've got that again in the beach and and trance and a few other ones but it's never been more prominent than um, train spotting, and a lot of people say that using voiceover in your film is lazy writing because films are supposed to be told visually. But when you're using voiceover like this, like the the opening monologue or the the monologue as we fade out, or even just it just tells such a, a better story. I, mm-hmm. I think anyway. Yeah, and we're clear that this is Renton's story. Uh, yeah, it involves everyone else, but it's his story, and I think it's it's the voiceover is iconic. Like the only other film I can think of with such an iconic voiceover is Shawshank Redemption, which is nothing like this. But yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's used in that way that it's something that stands out so much, and you know maybe it is overused, but it's perfect for this film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Lissy, what is your third point? I was going to talk about the ending, like, kind of vaguely, like, the, the mm-hmm. Danny Boyle ending, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. He's got, got this weird habit of it's almost a happy ending, but people have to get screwed over in the process, you know what I mean? So, like, Shallow Grave, right? That is an iconic ending. You know, the money's under the floorboards the whole time, and Chef's Kiss, brilliant. You know, it's just, he's just so good at sort of giving one character their good ending, and then the rest of them have to suffer. So, like, Renton obviously gets to walk away, and the rest of are kind of screwed. Um, and I just, I just like it because, like you were saying earlier, like does Renton deserve this happy ending? Does he deserve to be one of us? Does he? It's kind of, it's never a, a close knit thing with Danny Boyle. It's always sort of open ended, sort of make your mind up. You, you know, in, in even twenty eight days later, it's well, it's not really happy, but at least they survived. You know, like it's sort of, <laughs> it's just one of those things. And I just think it's kind of like it's realistic. Yeah. 
yeah. And even in the other films as well, they do need to go through some amount of shit basically to get there. So like in twenty days later, they're screwed over by well, what's remaining of the army and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And it's such mm-hmm. a nice touch that he does leave Spud the money in the locker. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad they put that in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think what I love about um, both Shallow Grave and Train Spotting is they have a lot of similarities in the sense that it's friends fucking each other over. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? Like, <laughs> like Sh- Shallow Grave money makes them awful people. You know, I mean, they, they, they weren't nice to begin with, but it just makes them even, it's the greed of it all. It's just, it's very Shakespearean. I really like it. Yeah, the other thing about that as well is when you're watching this film and Renton's lying beside Begbie in the bed and he makes that decision that he's going to steal the money and he goes over, has the drink of water, looks himself in the mirror and then sneaks over to start trying to shimmy out the bag full mm-hmm. of money. For some reason, you are rooting for him. Oh, and yeah. you know yeah. he's going to, he's screwing over his friends. Yes, at this moment, you don't know he's going to leave Spud anything. But you, you, you're you with him all the way. And then Spud and him lock eyes. And Spud just looks so heartbroken. I know. And Renton's like, just come with us. Just come with us. And he shakes his head that he won't do it. Meanwhile, you're still thinking, Renton, get out that door before Begbie <laughs> wakes up. You know? And to have, and I think it works because these are everyday characters so you relate to them whether they're doing right mm-hmm. or doing wrong you can understand the reasons why they're doing it and that's why you root for them oh yeah completely completely um yeah it's just it's a an amazing ending and i i really did want spuds to to leave with him but you as you said you just want renting to get out i feel like you're behind every character in this film at some point um i would say with the exception of begby i don't think i'm ever rooting for him um and that's actually my final point is the character of begby incredible acting incredible casting it's just he's unreal he's he sets the bar when he's you know throwing that glass and even though it it freezes there and then we go back to it um he's just horrible like and he does not care about anyone else at all he does care what people think of him you can see that but he's just so bold and i think you see it mostly you see how horrible he is when spud's mum comes after renton's escaped a prison sentence and he's got to go to rehab and spud's obviously being jailed and then begby blames spud's mum for it um, shouting over at her, and I just think that is, I th- that that's more heartbreaking than some of the awful fight scenes. And you just kind of think, oh, I don't know. You just think, what, what is this guy's day to day life? I don't understand it. And when he turns up in London, and he just he treats Renton like he hates him, like chucking the cigarette packets away, and just really really disrespectful I mean all the characters are disrespectful in one part (laughs) I don't think that's like a strong enough word to describe him but um, then it leads on to him obviously glassing the guy in the pub and all that fight and as you said he's addicted to violence and he's just that oh he's just a horrible horrible character but it could not be more perfect for this film yeah Mm -hmm. totally 
Yeah, the other thing about it as well is we all know someone like that who basically says who says what they feel. They don't care if they are like causing offence to anyone. They will just say what's on their mind. And he does say uh, to Spud's mum that it's her fault that her son's taking drugs, mm-hmm. whilst Renting's mum and dad are sitting at the table. <laughs> so yeah, that no. must mean it's their fault as well. Um, I do love it when. Um, when Big B ends up in London as well, though, and it just they're sleeping head to toe, and mm-hmm. he's like feet, his big toes are like sticking on Renton's face, and you can, oh, it just gives you the shivers, and it's really great filmmaking because you see that visually, and then Sick Boy shows up, and then it shows you the image again. Only there's two sets of feet at Renton's head, and again it's it's through. I mean, it's through a shot. This is where Danny Boyle is genius because it's through showing people's feet beside someone's head that you know the pressure Renton is under so you feel the weight of these two people like bearing down on him just from that one well those two shots basically um, but even when Begbie arrives and he's he's saying stuff like armed robbery armed robbery we a fucking replica and then he just starts kicking Beg- uh, Renton's stuff about and he's like any more of the pot noodles by the way and starts throwing pots and pans out, and you're just like, oh, he needs to go. He yeah. needs to go. <laughs> you can't help but hate him. Yeah, he's like a wild animal, and I think, you know, the, the visual of, like, his feet next to rent, and it's almost like, don't wake the bear, you know, because <laughs> it's going to uh-huh. kick off. He's, he's inhuman compared to the rest of them, and I think he's probably the scariest character in the film, if you're really going to, like, who would you not want to be in a room with? Definitely not Big <laughs> You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him. <laughs> no, no. Not no, even no. in his eyeline. I wouldn't even want to say hello to him, because he might just glass me, you know, just... <laughs> uh-huh. No, it's it, it's brilliant though. I mean, Robert Carlyle's a genius. I think he's a fantastic actor. So I could not see anybody else being Begbie. Like no, you said. no. But apparently in the book, I haven't read the book. But apparently Begbie's described as like a really big guy, or like mm-hmm. really tall and like I don't know big. But obviously Robert Carlyle, um, physically is not like a huge guy like all oh, the big tough guy, but his character and his personality and everything he does he is that big tough guy that nobody wants to piss off not even his friends because you know if Renton if Renton really like wasn't scared of him he'd be gone he would not be staying with him in London but he just puts up with it and I think it makes it even more of a bold ending because you know that at any minute Big Bay does not care who's who's wronged him he will get his revenge so even if it was if it was that he woke up I think Renton would be dead or close to it <laughs> well that's that's the thing as well is if you put yourself in the shoes of renting or anyone else in that room right and you're lying beside begbie if you ask yourself would you be willing to try and steal that money i probably wouldn't <laughs> you know? no no <laughs> definitely not um has anyone got any other notes on the film or things that they don't like about the film um, I've just got a few notes. It's not really anything I didn't like. Um, I know that Ewan McGregor lost two stone or two mm. and a half stone to play the part, which I found quite interesting. Um, the cinematography, we've not really spoke about too much, but I think the visual cinematography in this film is amazing. Uh, we spoke about it briefly with the way they got him to like, sink into the floor and then as he gets the adrenaline shot, he comes like shooting back out. Mm. 
But even the shots of Renton just walking along the the bridge in London, and there's like the fisheye almost shot when he's on the toilet mm. as well, and he's down to his knees, like almost squatting. It's it's you're you're almost in Renton's face watching him like take a shit. It's so vile, but it's it's through that the magic of cinematography that they get that through. Um, yeah, and for me the most likable character in this film that we've touched on is Spud. Like, but it's interesting because he doesn't really change at all. The rest of them have arcs that they go through. So we've spoke about uh, Beg Bay, we've spoke about Renton's arc, Tommy's arc. Even Sick Boy, he is just a heroin addict at the start, but then he loses his baby and then becomes this schemer who will do what he can to make money and scam people. But Spud is just taking heroin and he's almost lovable and it's Mm -hmm. funny that the person that is the nicest character is the person that's no goals so therefore there's no betrayals there's no enemies it's just him and his battle with heroin and i think that's Mm -hmm. and not to go into it too much but i feel in train train spotting the main character is 100% renton but in train spotting too i think the main character is actually spud Mm -hmm. i would agree with that I mean, um, at the end of train, train Spot, and like you say, Renton even says, like, Spud didn't do anything wrong, and he's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, he's the, he's the only kind of good character, really, when you yeah. think about it. And obviously, yeah. his, his storyline in, in Train Spot 2 is particularly tragic as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think um, Spud's interview see- scene is so funny. I had actually forgotten about it, yeah. and I just could not stop laughing. Like, Obviously, he's he's faked the the grades and that, and he but he just turns it round to a positive. You know, he's like, no, I'm just getting my foot in the door and that, and um, obviously didn't need to get his foot in the door. But I just thought that's such a a great great scene and the wall mural of the kind of beach and stuff. It's just and because they're so far away from him as well, you feel that you feel like I don't know when I'm watching it, I kind of feel like they've moved themselves further away because they don't want to be anywhere near him. But, yeah. you know, it may have just been the interview set up. Or, um, or maybe you've just been in lockdown too much and trying to do social distancing. <laughs> I'm too used to it now. Definitely. Yeah. But that was my only other note um, about the film. I would also say that um, Shirley Henderson has not aged at all in the last 20 years. I know. She looks. That's crazy. Everything she's in, she looks the exact same. It's mm-hmm. it's weird because obviously after this she then went and played like the schoolgirl in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like ten years later or whenever it was. I know. Yeah, and um, my only negative that I can think about is I feel like Ewan McGregor as Renton is very well spoken for a junkie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it kind of shows that you know it doesn't matter what background you're from or who you are what you sound like this this can happen to anyone this can happen to everyday people like you make that wrong decision and it can lead to all this so i actually Mm. quite like that yeah maybe because i guess the same can be said for sick boy he's quite yeah well i suppose you can understand him perfectly yeah (laughs) yeah let's see what about yourself yeah it was an interesting point with that i've always thought that about renton's voice actually i mean 
perhaps it's because it, it, the beginning of the film he certainly has like a su- superiority complex you know even that opening monologue it's very much like I don't want to choose all these things I'm going to choose heroin because it's better than life and blah 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 so maybe he's just trying to make himself better quote unquote I, I don't know if that was a, a choice um, yeah. that's not the case in the book as far as I'm aware but in the film perhaps they were trying to make him just be a bit more different to the rest of us I, I don't know but it, it's an interesting choice for sure um it I could also make any... him sorry, it could also make him mm-hmm. more relatable to the average mm-hmm. person watching it if Perhaps. they can like like mm. understand him and see themselves see themselves in renting except for the mm-hmm. drug abuse. You know, but yeah. where he mm-hmm. sits in society and like I guess even nowadays like people are looking at where they are in society and what they've got and what they don't have compared to other people and some some might find themselves as well that they're they're so similar to renting except for the drug abuse you know and their outlook on life Mm -hmm. that's also a very good point i think yeah i mean it's been it's been years since i read the book i don't think it's specified how he speaks in the book but it was certainly an interesting choice in the film um but no i I don't have anything else i don't actually have any negatives at all really (laughs) um i just think it's i wouldn't change anything if i'm honest i think one tiny little gripe is i might like I'm really fascinated by Begbie and I want a little bit more character development I think maybe but that's a tiny little nitpick um yeah. but I, I just want I just want to get inside his head more that's all I just want a bit more like you know yeah like five five minutes in his head just just to think like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I know I know but um that's it's, I mean it's a minor minor little gripe but it would just be cool to have a little bit more of like a Begbie spin-off you know find out what's mm. going on <laughs> and what's your thoughts on the sequel then as well I loved the sequel, I thought, because I was so nervous about it, actually. I mean, I'm sure loads of people were. I was thinking, oh, my God, you know, all these years have passed. Is it going to live up to the hype? And I loved it. Um, I went to see it in the cinema, and it was just... It was such a, such a nostalgia trip for everybody who'd seen yeah. like, the original, you know? like even, even, like, the remix of Lust for Life, and it was just... I just liked it, you know? It was just... It was very different. And a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot funnier. Yeah. You know, so it, like Begbie running after his car and that was you know it's, there's a lot of funny sequences but I just think that it was a love letter to the fans really and I, I really enjoyed it yeah Ashley have you seen it yeah yeah I have seen it ages ago when it first came out um well it wasn't that long ago but um I loved it but I think it's because I'm a fan of Trainspot and I think on its own um I mean obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't probably understand most of it if it was on its own but it's it's not it's not as good and I think it was never it was never going to be as good you can't you can't make an iconic film like that I don't think on purpose if you know what I mean like I don't think this film was made to be iconic it became iconic but I think they changed so much about this film with new music and um the new characters as well I think it's 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 a perfect sequel and I'm glad they've left it there I don't. I don't think we need, like, a third one. No. So I I went to the cinema to see Train Spotting Two, and I came out going, yeah, it was alright, and I didn't really know how I feel. But about a month ago, I watched Train Spotting followed directly by Train Spotting Two, and as a back to back sequel, like watching both of them in the same night or one night after the other, they work marvelous, marvelously hand in hand. And that's how I would now recommend anyone to watch these two films is basically back to back, maybe one night in between. And I don't know just how far the characters have came. And then it takes it in new directions. As I said before, it tells more of Spud's story. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I won't go into it too much. Cause I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't <laughs> seen um, Train Spotting Two. I nearly said Terminator Two because they, <laughs> because it was it was called T Two Train Spotting or uh-huh. something. Yeah, it confused me. Anyway, <laughs> has mm-hmm. anyone's uh, rating out of ten changed after we've spoken about it, Gary? I'll stick with eight point five. I'm I'm happy. I think that's a good. Yeah, good. I'm sticking with. 10 out of 10, I love it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to stick with 8, I think, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so now we'll take a little break and we will be back with our quick fire quiz, our short film and our fun fact of the day. What are you waiting for? I don't know. This is not natural, man. It's a great outdoors. It's fresh air. Look, Tommy, we know you're getting a hard time off Lizzie, but there's really no need to take it out on us. Doesn't it make you proud to be Scottish? It's shite being Scottish. We're the lowest of the low. The scum of the fucking earth. The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shined to civilization. Some people hate the English. I don't. They're just wankers. We, on the other hand, are colonised by wankers. Can't even find a decent culture to be colonised by. We're ruled by a few assholes. It's a shite state of affairs to be in, Tommy, and all the fresh air in the world won't make any fucking difference. So, Lucy, Gary and I have five questions each for you for our quick fire <laughs> quiz round. It's just it's just Uh-oh. quick and fun. <laughs> it's no bearing on your knowledge of the film. Um, so, here we go. I'm going to go first. With my first question is, what is Begbie's first name? Francis? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, which animal does Tommy buy for his ex-girlfriend, Lizzie? Oh, my God. Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a kitten. A kitten? <laughs> oh, I, could, I could just guess that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much do the boys pay for the heroin um, that they later sell on? Oh, I don't know that either. This isn't going very well, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I don't know. It's four grand. What flavour of ice cream should you use in the sick boy method for quitting heroin? Chocolate? No, it oh. is vanilla. <laughs> vanilla? Oh my god. I see. Um, yeah. What bar does Renton meet Diane in? I don't know. I can't remember. The, vo- the volcano. Volcano, yeah. Okay. Um, which video does renting swap with Tommy and Lizzie's home movie? It's like football's greatest goals or something like that. It's some kind of yeah. football. Yeah, it's 100 greatest goals, but yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, how many doses of methadone do- a day does renting get on his rehab programme? Uh, three? Yep. Yeah. And Peter Mullen plays Swanee, the drug dealer, but what is Swanee's nickname? Mother Superior? Yes. Yeah. And my last question yeah. is, how much money does rent and leave Spud in the locker? 10,000, is it? 2,000. 2,000. Train spotting author Irvin Welsh plays which character in the movie? I know he's in it. Oh, I know he's in it. I'll give you a clue. He's the person that he's the person that buys the heroin off the two Russian sailors. 
His name, I, I can see him, but his name just escaped me. I just honestly can't remember. It's Mickey Forrester. <laughs> I would not have known his name. <laughs> um, I, I know he's in it. He's like really famously in it, yeah. But, yeah. oh man. Um, you, you made a comeback at the end. We went with really hard questions because it's such a well-known film. Yeah. yeah, like it's stupid things like what's the name of the bar? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I've seen that scene a million times. I was like, oh uh, Jesus, but one of those things. It's the little things that we don't focus on because the rest is so great. <laughs> it's funny. It's easy for us as well, though, because we are looking for stuff to like put questions on. But if someone yeah. just randomly asked us, we'd be like, um, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. Because I was like, oh, you know, I've just seen it. I'm gonna get this, and then you asked me, and I was like, I literally can't remember. <laughs> but never mind. So we will go on to our fun fact of the day. Each week we state a film fact, a fun fact that's not film related. <laughs> um, so my fun fact, I love this one. Costa Coffee's head taster, Gennaro Pellicia, has insured his taste buds with Lloyd of London, Lloyd's of London for the pricely sum of £10 million. And to put that into perspective, Lloyd's also insures Bruce Springs. Oh my god, I can't talk today. Bruce Springsteen's voice for three point five million. So he's he's important. <laughs> oh, I know, crazy. Gary, what's your fun fact? So mine is the Pinky Promise originally came from Japan, and it indicated that if the person breaks the promise, their finger will be cut off. It'll now make our listeners wonder if they should ever pinky promise again. <laughs> I don't I don't think I will. <laughs> no. And Lucy, what's your fun fact of the day? Because I'm a big fan of wine, I look for wine facts. Love it. And I le- I learned that the ancient Romans used to put a piece of toast in their wine for good health, and that is why we toast people. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so if you go to like a wedding and you toast someone, it would uh-huh. it, it was to good health, yeah. So they would put toast in it. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing it now, but you know. <laughs> oh no. See, I feel that like this is now something that I am going to do. I'm now going to try it drunk at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to round off the show, as always, we're each going to name a short film that we'd recommend our viewers, viewers, listeners to watch. Gary, what's your short film this week? So I've been going with a lot of animations recently when we do this, so lo and behold, I've got another animation. So this one is called Silent, and it's actually by Dobie, and it it celebrates uh, how storytellers, inventors, and technology all work together to create cinema magic. It's only like two and a half minutes long. It's worth the watch, and the sound design in this short film is extraordinary. So check it out. We'll put a link to all the short films in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, my short film for this week is called The Bridge Partner. It's set in America. I came across it on YouTube, and I have no idea how, but it is amazing. It's kind of thriller. It's not too. It's not too thrillery, and it's. I think it's about ten minutes long. Um, but it's. A timid housewife is jolted into a fight for her survival or sanity or sanity at a weekly bridge club um, because she thinks her new bridge partner, who is like all glam, uh, has like whispered a threat in her ear um, and no one believes her. So it's a very, very good short film. And the the budget on it must have been huge. If it's not, it's like crazy to me because it's, it's really, really incredible. 
And Lucy, what would your short film recommendation be? I'm bringing the horror to the short film recommendations. I found one. I'm obsessed with Animal Crossing. I've been addicted to it in uh, lockdown. And someone made an Animal Crossing themed horror film called Don't Peek. And it is about a woman who's just playing on her Animal Crossing, you know, in the middle of the night in her room, she's got her lights on, and then the game starts to come to life, but not in a good way. Um, and oh. it's directed by it's directed by Julian Terry. The the visuals are amazing because they've kind of manipulated the visuals of Animal Crossing to sort of be a lot more scary. And it's six minutes long, and I I did jump. It's very effective. So if you like yes. a good horror show, give it a go. <laughs> Wow, amazing. I don't know if I want to watch it because I get a fright so easily, but <laughs> I, I will. I did jump. I had my headphones in as well. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'll check it out. Definitely. Um, so, Lucy, thank you so much for coming in the sh- on the show. It's been amazing to talk to you and amazing that you brought Trainspotting to the show as well. Um, can you let our listeners know where they can keep up to date with you and what you're working on? Yeah, of course. So um, on Twitter, I am at LGTHblog, or you can just look on my website. It's LucyGoesToHollywood.com. At the minute, I'm just catching up with reviews in lockdown, really, and just getting on more podcasts and stuff, just keeping busy. Love it. Love it. Have you, have you watched anything that you would recommend to our listeners during lockdown? What have I watched? Um, I watched a lot of things on Netflix, like like series. I haven't done a lot of films, funnily enough. I mean, I, I binged The Queen's Gambit. That was amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That was really, really good. Um, and I watched, there was another one, but I've completely forgot the name of now. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of things I've been, oh, The Mandalorian. I, I started watching that on yeah. Disney Plus and now, and now I'm obsessed with it, obviously. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to. But I was a bit late to the party with that one. Yeah, I've been watching, yeah, I've been watching The Mandalorian and also uh, Cobra Kai. That's my two go-to things just now. Mm-hmm. So, I need to watch Cobra Kai definitely. Yeah, if you and, if if you like your eighties buzz, then get on Cobra Kai because it's set now, but got so many eighties references. Definitely, I am currently watching The Serpent, um, yeah. and it's incredible. It's on iPlayer, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I just got, I just searched for it on the telly, but yeah, that is amazing, and it's based on a true story which is very freaky. Um, so yeah, definitely go watch that. Um, so I'm Ashley Sutherland and you can find me at at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ashley Sutherland 4 on Twitter. I'm Gary and you can get me on QG Pro on Instagram and on Twitter. And as always, we would love it if you could share your thoughts, your views, your comments uh, about the podcast and leave us a wee review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to get in touch, our email is choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at filmchoose and on Instagram at choosefilmpodcast. And thank you for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Bye-bye.